Welcome to the Mothers You Know podcast. Thank you for being here. This is a place where we as women remember the spirit God gave us. We know how much we matter and we believe all things are possible to them that believe on this Savior Jesus Christ. Here at Mothers You Know, we support the parents of young men in the Sons of Healman and young women in the Daughters of Light programs at Life Changing Services. These programs provide therapeutic and mentoring services for youth struggling with depression, anxiety, self-harm, pornography, and any other unwanted or difficult behaviors. We offer parent support, training, and resources for mothers and fathers seeking the best way to support their loved one. Any mother is welcome to join in the Mothers Who Know classes support and training. You do not need to have a child in life-changing services to join in. We hope you'll join us. I am Karen Broadhead. I serve as the director of Mothers You Know, and I serve as the parent support specialist at life-changing services. I invite you to join with me and other mothers from across the country in our Warrior Mothers Who Know online support and training group. If you have a child struggling with pornography, depression, anxiety, or other difficult behaviors, you will find a safe and uplifting place to learn from other moms and learn principles and strategies to best support your loved one. Please go to motherswhoknow.org to find the online meeting details. We talk about difficult things here with the intent to shine light in dark corners and to eliminate isolation and shame. We are mothers with warrior hearts who are raising the warriors of this generation. We know we must learn to fight well for ourselves first, then we can confidently support and cheer on our loved ones in the best ways. Oh, I'm so happy that you're here. So grateful for our two guests today because we have the program directors. Well, we actually have all three programs directors because I'm one of them of the women's programs here in Life-Changing Services. I have Alana Gordon from the Worth group and I'll have her tell you just a little bit about her and that group here in just a minute. And then we have Anality Milne here as the director of our women's programs, our Daughters of Light and Warrior Women of Light, the therapeutic level services that we offer to women and young women. So, and yeah, we would just love for you to just sit back and relax and notice why would Karen do this as the last episode of our mental health series. Really, it's because I have so much love and respect for these women, for the growth that I've been able to have around them and the growth I've seen them have. But also it's just been neat to think, wouldn't it be so great? You know, because they have mother hearts, they have families, they have things going on at their house too, but they're also professionals. And so they've, I've asked them to come kind of in a professionally led way, but also to tie their, their experiences and their mother hearts to that. And so, yeah, we're excited to get started. So Alana, will you just tell us a little bit about your, yeah, about who you are, a little bit about your family, and then more about worth and what that's all about here at Life Changing Services. I would love to. Thank you for having me. So I am the Worth Program Director 
And the WORTH program supports women who are struggling with B-trial trauma and are trying to work through the effects of their spouse's choices and sexual indiscretions. And so we offer all levels of support, multiple different types of groups. And what's really cool about the WORTH program is it offers support for women with therapist-led groups at no cost for six months. And there's just nothing out there like it. And so it's really, really neat to be part of that program. So that's what I do for worth. Me, myself, I am a mother of five children. They range from the age of seven up to 16. And I love my family dearly with between what I do for work and my kids and my own private practice. I stay very busy, but my kids are absolutely the, my world. And then my husband and I, we live in Las Vegas, Nevada, and it's so wonderful being able to be part of life-changing services because I feel like we have been able to find the neatest people throughout the country who have come together and are just creating healing for the entire family. Again, there's just nothing out there like it. I love it. Me too. So good. Thanks. So good. Okay. And now what do you tell us? Hi, Karen and Alana. It's so good to be here with you. So a little bit about me. I've been with Life Changing Services for about 10 years now. I first started at Life Changing Services <laughs> as the office manager. <laughs> it makes me crack up so bad because I'm so bad at stuff like that. Lisa's so much better at it than me. And I was doing outreach and stuff like that. But really what I wanted to do when I came to the company was help Maurice to systematize his programs so that we could train people how to become eternal warriors, mentors, and therapists. And that's really, he said he didn't have money to pay me to do that, but he had money to pay me to run his office. So I did that. And in between his sessions with people, we would sit down and chat and he'd give me information and I would put things together for him. And we ended up creating a mental training kind of program together. And then that just has kind of blossomed into amazing, beautiful things that we've done at Life Changing Services. Everyone has, you know, really taken advantage of all of that training. And we offer some awesome training here for ther therapists, mentors, coaches. I just think it's a great arm of what we do here at Life Changing Services because we are trying to grow concept of, and, and in the mental health field, we would call it kind of a spiritual philosophy of healing, mental health healing. And we are very LDS focused and there, I just don't know if there's any company out there like us. We, we have conviction that we have an adversary who's working against us and doesn't want us to be successful, doesn't want us to be happy, doesn't want us to have any kind of peace. He's going to get his fingers into everything. But we also believe that we as LDS people have the gift of the Holy Ghost. And so we draw on that. And we allow the Holy Ghost to work in us and he heal us and help us. And we draw on the, uh, the atonement. And there's just so many things that, that there's so many layers and levels of the things we can do in our lives to help combat that. And so that's what really made me excited about what we do at Life Changing Services. I got involved with that. And then I went on to working with the young women 
know, the young women's program, Maurice asked me to see if I could kind of grow that, work that, whatever. I've helped write all the journals. And when I got working with the young women, I thought, wow, I really like this. <laughs> and because it was with the young women, I was able to go to groups, able to see these sweet, beautiful, charming young women just struggle. And my heart just started to be pulled and drawn towards them. And so I eventually went back to school to become a counselor myself so that I could help the young women. And things happened in the company. A position opened up just at the same time I was graduating. And I was able to become the director of the program. And we now do not only the young women, but I do, we do the women, so 18 and olders. We kind of approach what we do at Daughters of Light and our Warrior Women of Light program just a little bit different than Sons of Helaman and Miniver and I. They're very, very sex addiction based, focused, and we are a little bit more global on how we approach the mental health of our, our women and young women, we do work on behavioral, we would, they would call behavioral addictions or acting outside of behaviors. I mean, our values, that's what we sort of focus on. And, but we also know there's lots of underlying mental health stuff that come with that. And we are dedicated to approaching it from that direction. So even though we're a sister organization to Men of Moroni and the Sons of Helaman, we are just a little bit different not so different that we look different because we our structures all the same but our approach is just a little bit different so we're very designed for that and also i i used to live in utah but now i live in kentucky i moved to kentucky last year during the whole when when covid started <laughs> become a thing. My kids lived in the East and it was very hard for me to be away from my grandchildren. I've always been okay with not living where I raised my family. I actually didn't grow up in the, in the West. I grew up in the East, so I'm happy to move here. And I have six children. I have one adopted child. I have one special needs child. I have two children on the spectrum. I have grand grandchildren who have special needs. I have a couple of kids in the family with behavioral addictions. We have mental health depression problems in our family. We, you know, there's a lot of stuff that we deal with and love. And I have six, I have 13 grandchildren. I'm the ninth of 11 children. And again, not all of us have been mental have always been our mental game whatever you know we've all had dealt with something and we're learning how to get better all the time i i do have a sister who is a mental health counselor also so yeah lots of lots of big family stuff lots of background there beautiful so great to be with you ladies you know i mentioned this a little bit before we started the recording but i just thought you know, it was really surprising to me. I just thought we would jump in. I didn't think this would be like a six-part mental health series. I thought it would just be like, we'll have Maurice's episode, and then we'll get with these women that said, sure, I'll help with the podcast, this mental health-themed series you're doing. But it was so interesting to notice just how common our experiences were, how great our needs were as children, all of us, to have some mental health support and 
then as everybody shared, you know, how their own mental health has affected their life and their support or lack of support in that area. And when they started realizing they needed support, you know, it wasn't until much later in life because the message that they got about mental health was kind of, you know, that's not a thing unless it absolutely has to be a thing, you know? Um, yeah, that's not the way things are anymore, really. I do think there's been some shifts in our society that have contributed to that. Yeah. Uh, a lot of the information that we are able to have s such quick access to mm -hmm. has really shifted the way we see life and the way life happens, right? So you're meaning with all the technology and easy access to all lots of information, we're growing exponentially in that area. I would say that that's, I don't know if Alana would agree with this, but on all the literature I've read, it seems like there is exponential growth in mm -hmm. mental health concerns. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And, and I see the stigma coming down more and more especially the younger, the generations we go. Yeah. And it's interesting. I was talking to my son and his friends and they were all throwing around all sorts of mental health terms that some of my adult clients have never even heard of. And they're having these conversations and they're talking about it. And for me, it's kind of exciting to hear how much knowledge and how commonplace it's starting to become. And I think it's um, exciting, but also concerning. Tell me about that. I'm curious. Because, you know, I work specifically with the girls. I would say 50% of my clients are young women under the age of 18. And, you know, they're dealing with stuff, right? So it's so fascinating because even if they get an idea in their head, oh, do I have an eating disorder? First thing they do is go to TikTok or YouTube or whatever <laughs> to look up a video on it. And then they start self-identifying with it. And then, you know, either it becomes very anxiety provoking for them or it gives them ideas, right? So we could be really dealing with some serious stuff by the time, you know, two months down the road after they have self-identified with something like that. It, it's such an interesting concept. I love what you're talking about because I have seen that. But then I've also seen the flip side of that, where I've seen some of the teens who saw this video that said everything they were feeling and they went, oh my word, I'm not crazy. Yeah, this, There is something. And so I think this is why we have to be having these conversations Yeah, because if they know that they can come to mom or dad or go visit a mental health professional, if they have concerns or if they have questions, instead of going and figuring it out for themselves, or like you said, Anelody, that self-identifying, then we can empower them so much more yeah. to learn about what's happening if something's going on versus now I have identified with this. So this is who I am. Yeah. Okay. And it yeah. goes both ways, right, Alana? Because on one hand, if they feel okay that they feel that way, you know, oh, goodness, I, I felt this way. I'm not alone. You know, it gives them a feeling of, okay, well, this is a thing. I could actually, you know, there's probably something I can do about that, right? 
And there's other people out there who feel the same way I do. I have to tell you, almost every single one of my girls who come to the Warrior Women program, they have said to me, I thought I was the only one with this addiction. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then they come to group and they see all these other women and girls and they're like, oh, these are good girls. These are awesome people. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be okay. Yeah. Yeah. There's that such a powerful healing dynamic, right? Of connecting in our, in our tricky stuff and our stretchy things in life. It's a big deal. So as this relates to just, you know, I love that you brought out that point that, you know, there's so much more information out there and we can be using it in ways that help us or don't help us. But a lot of the key to maybe making it more successful and healthy would be to maybe lean into this idea that Maurice is suggesting. This idea of what about just normalizing in our conversations, in the way we schedule things for our kids and their needs, this mental health checkup idea. Like, it's just kind of what we do. It's, you know, we don't need to wait until everybody's falling apart in their mental health before we go get some mental health. We'd like have checkups because we don't just go to the dentist when our mouth hurts we get cleaned and you know we get x-rays to see how everything's looking in there Mm -hmm. and they take a pretty good look at that and they're like yeah not even on the underneath side that you can't see on the outside looks good or looks like we need to take a closer look at that what would you say about that approach and how that would affect what you just talked about if we as moms could just be like How about maybe when our kids are, yeah, I don't even know how young, 11 maybe? I don't know. When would you start doing something like that? And what kind of issues do you think moms... So it's really interesting you should ask that, Karen. When would we start it? Because I I, developmentally, we're going to look at it from that point of view, right? From, From this concept of now that I'm developing and I'm getting a mind of my own, up until the age of eight, literally children do not see themselves as separate as their, their parents. Mm-hmm. And as they begin to start seeing themselves as separate, which is a very slow process between the ages of eight and puberty, right? You know, somewhere in there, they start, oh, I'm my own person, you know? That's when I think the adversary starts saying, okay, let's work on that your own person, you know, that's when I think he starts thinking he can get his fingers into your pie, right? So I wouldn't necessarily say all the way down to the age eight, but I would say somewhere in that space of 12 and eight, what would you say, Lana? 100%. And what I see often is 12 to 14, 12 to 15, there's so much happening within themselves, hormonally, developmentally. And so when we have a lot of turmoil, it's very common that during that period is going to be especially difficult. So if you've already been in and already learned that a therapist isn't scary or a counselor's office is actually really helpful and really safe, then when that turmoil starts to come, we already have something in place. 
Absolutely. I just have to tell you, Alana, I'm going to second that a hundred times. I, I have three clients that I, that I feel like their parents are some of the wisest, wisest people I've ever met. My one client in particular, I'm thinking about, she's just like, yeah, we just do this like a family, you know, each one of my kids, they get to have a counselor and I find one that I like. We interview them just like I do a doctor. Her husband's a pediatrician. So I guess maybe that's why, I don't know. Mm -hmm. But then she says, and you know, they have their counselor. And as long as I know I like them, and as long as I feel like things are going really well, you know, we'll have maybe three or four months where we meet with them and then we'll go once a month or we'll go, you know, once every six months or whatever. So, you know, and if anything comes up, they have a relationship built already with that counselor. And so it's someone I really like. And the other thing that she said to me was, and then we've already established a baseline for their mental health. That's so good. So I do have a question here because that's one thing I think moms fear the most is if I hand my child over to somebody all by themselves and they are coming from an angle that doesn't align with, with what I like or, you know, there's, there's kind of a vulnerable, scary feeling there. How do you? How it's do you a serious, know? it's a serious question, Karen. Yeah. That is very serious, very serious. Yeah, so well, how can you help with that, girls? What's some of your experience or even thoughts about, yeah, you know what? I'm Because that's something I don't think that's been covered quite enough with all of this is, so if you were saying, yeah, I'm on board. I love this mental health checkup idea. I think I'm going to start implementing that in my family at a young age. But how do you find a therapist that aligns with your values and that you can trust and because a lot of us I think we think of therapists as they're private people and once you say yes and you start meeting with them it's super private over there and yeah so yeah I think we just need to talk through kind of all of that like I think you need a therapist who shares your values mm -hmm. so I, would, I, would um... I literally say if I'm the mom would I say Hello, I'm just wondering if you're a member of the same church that I'm a member of. That could be a question. You know, it doesn't necessarily mean that that's going to be a deal breaker, right? Right. But it's a good place to start. But yeah, but I'm just thinking it's so good to help me as a mom know what that sounds like. Not just here's the overarching what we should do. So what does it sound like if I'm going to find a therapist that I like? I want to think, well, I want them maybe to be a Christian person, someone who, you know, it's okay that we really promote. So Karen, I'm going to inter interrupt you for just a second because Alana and I in our training are going to be able to give you words that will help yes. you a little bit. Good. Do it. Do it. So every therapist has different philosophies and you're going to want to know what their philosophy is. So at Life Changing Services, we would be called spiritually based cognitive behavioral therapists. Pretty much that's what I would, what are your thoughts, Alana? For the Life Changing Services programs, absolutely. With Worth specifically, and then with my own private practice, I'm an emotionally based therapist, but absolutely cognitive based as well. 
I think those terms for a lot of parents, if you don't know what those are, that might sound or feel a little overwhelming, but just like Anality, what you said at the beginning is parents can, can seek out, see if it's a good fit by having those conversations. Most therapists will do a free phone consultation, or I say even better, you schedule for you with them, sit down with them and let them know of like, Hey, here's what I am. This is what I'm looking for my family. Here's some of my concerns with my religious background. Sometimes there are professionals out there who either don't understand my values or don't understand my religion or don't understand the nuances that come, especially with our religion. And so here's my concerns and then see how they respond to that. Yeah. As an interviews type of question, just see how they respond. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's a really good. That's a really good point. So Alana said emotionally based, right? Which would actually fit into several different types of philosophies. And I would say I'm probably emotionally based too, but I, I have very specific philosophies. So I have psychodynamic, which is my past informs my present kind of the idea. And I'm also a trauma-informed therapist and I do brain spotting. So it really goes well with what we teach at Life-Changing Services, just so you know, because it teaches us all the chemistry of our body. That's basically what it does and helps us process through that stuff, which goes back into the psychodynamic. The things that happened in the past are informing our present. And so we want to address those things, which are emotional, right? I also am what I would call, so I, I could give you like these technical terms, and it's not going to make any lot of sense, but I'm going to kind of dumb it down a little bit. So I would say I come from a family systems background mm-hmm. and I absolutely 100% without question, see every one of my clients in a system. And I absolutely 100% believe that unless that system is abusing them or neglecting them, they have what it takes inside of them to, to manage it. So that would be my background. Yeah. And, and I think that probably goes with Alana too, right? You would say that. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And that approach right there, Nelody, of you breaking that down is really that place of empowerment, right? And so the more, as you've listened to Nelody talk, you can hear of like, oh, she's about empowering my child. She has a religious focused center. Oh, she has trauma in her background. So if something comes up, she can handle that. Right. So the more you're having this conversation, the more you're able to hear and listen and pick out of, does this resonate with me? Does this feel good? I remember one time when we had moved from Seattle, Washington into Las Vegas, and we were looking for a good therapist, but again, you just, you don't know even people who on paper look of like, okay, they are LDS. Oh, they do this approach. Oh, they're this specialty. You still don't know if it's going to be the right fit. And research has shown that therapeutic fit is huge in the growth and progress in your therapeutic process. So going and meeting them, we had almost like 90% Yeah of the process. Yeah. I want to say the exact number I read it the other day was like 82 or 88%. So so, let's be clear on that. So you said, what is 90% of what say that again? 
the relationship that you have with your therapist is 82% contributes that much to your healing process. Okay. Got it. Very yeah. Good. So, so this- in, in brain spotting, we call that the dual attunement frame. So the way how, how I am able to attune with you mm-hmm. and how you receive my attunement. Mm-hmm. And it's a very actually prefrontal cortex experience that brings the whole brain experience in so that you can access so much of the things that are underneath. And again, when I talk about underneath, I talk about that psychodynamic background. Okay. Very good. So good. Alana. Okay. Well, what are some of the things that I would ask a therapist as a mom about their approach? Cause I know there's these philosophies, right? So what's your approach with me as their parent? What am I looking so can for? Can I just say something really quickly? First, before you ask that you need to know what your approach is. So I told you this one family that I just adore. I actually have three of their children and I adore this family. The the mom said to me, this is what I want. I want someone who is spiritually based, who understands my religion and is going to support that and is not going to invite my children out of that. And then she said, and I'm very concerned about behaviors. I like my children to learn how to manage their behaviors. I'm not so concerned about their emotions, but that's because that's probably my background, but I think they probably need to address that. I mean, that's pretty much what she said. And she said, can you do that? So I repeated back to her. I was able to repeat back to her. So what I'm hearing you say is, this is what you're looking for. And then I could say, yeah, I think. Well, I love this. And the problem that I think happens with people is when they don't know what they want, when they don't know what to expect, they come in and they sit down and just kind of go, okay, you tell me what to do, or you tell me what this is going to look like, but then it puts them already in a position of disempowerment. Yeah. Yeah. Disempowerment. And so I, I just, the way that you, submissiveness, right. mm -hmm. And so, you know, in, in therapy, our, our goal is not submissiveness. It's not right. Our goal. And and I tell people this all the time. I'm not the type of therapist that you can ask what you should do. And I'll give you an answer because I'm not going to. Because mm-hmm. I'm the kind of therapist that's going to say, hmm, mm-hmm. what does your wise mind say about that? Good, good. Yeah. So Alana, so good. One of the things that you said there was you know, it's something that's going to be really common that we're going to feel even before we go, go in to talk to a therapist, like many of us as mothers, just with this new approach of how do I, okay, let's do mental health checkups. Let's lean into this and see if we can start a new way that we talk about and think about and access this mental health support for our family. But you mentioned, you know, yeah, we often go in and we really don't know what, like, I think the majority of mothers that are listening to this are saying, that's exactly how I would be. I would know what to do. And so that's why I really kind of want to stick with that for a minute. Will you talk a little bit more about that? 
Well, most people have this idea of what we've seen on movies and in TV. We imagine someone laying on a couch. We imagine a therapist stiff with a cliff clipboard and just checking things off and making notes about us. And the process can look so different than that. But when we don't know, and we have no foundation, then I think this question you're asking Karen is so helpful because nowadays, especially with everything we've been through with the pandemic, a lot of therapists are online. A lot of sessions are done in home ones that are in person I've never had a client lay on my couch. I have invited them to actually, I'll say, you know what, in this room, this gets to be your safe place. If you want to take off your shoes, cool. If you want to lay down, great. If you need to walk around from time to time, absolutely. Especially with my teens, I'll say in here, you can have any feelings. You can say whatever you need to say. Nothing's going out of this room. You can basically share whatever you need to share. I always keep a tissue box by the couch. I'm like, you can throw the tissue box even as long as it's not at me and you're not going to break anything. This is your safe place. And then really that first session is getting to know them. It's figuring out a little bit about them, a little bit about just their history And then it's taking time to really learn about why they're there. So if it's there for this health checkup, that's awesome. And then diving a little bit on, okay, well, tell me a little about social, you know, doing a little analyzing around their mental state, looking at their relationships and just going and asking more questions and discovering where they're at. And then I'm listening for either key phrases or red flags or things that could potentially be concerning. And then if I hear something, I'll go more in depth and we'll ask some more questions on that. Mm -hmm. So we are taught actually how to do what they would call an intake, right? In school. And one of the things, two of the things we have to do is what they call a mental health status. And it's like a checklist that they give us that kind of gives us an idea of, oh, how are they showing up? Do they have flat affect? Do they have, you know, uh, are they, are they animated? You know, it's like a little checklist. And then the other thing that they, that they've taught us how to do is background. What Alana was talking is background history. And we are gathering family history. We're, we're gathering, like she said, interpersonal relationships. And then when we notice one, that it looks like it might be a hot spot. We might dive into that a little bit too, but we also are going to talk about, you know, addiction in the family background or abuse in the family background or things like that in the family background. And then, which will help us bring it forward to them. Is that as, as, do you experience any of that? Right. So we're going to bring that background stuff into the present and that would be like an initial assessment. They call that an assessment. And in an initial assessment with most of my teens, I don't know if Alana does this, but I'm required to, you know, talk about suicidal ideation, self-harm, different types of behaviors that are, you know, might be dangerous. We all, I always make, we always have to say to our clients, um, so you just need to know, I, I always make an, a promise with you. You know, because you're, and this would be for, with kids under 18, because you're 18 years old, you need to know that your parents are the one paying this bill and that they do have right to know what's happening here. But I also say to them, I will not tell them anything you don't want me to tell them unless you report abuse 
or suicidal ideation or homicidal ideation. Mm -hmm. And then I say, those are the things I can't not, I can't keep secret. But if there is something that concerns me that doesn't fall under that, I'm going to encourage you to tell them. And if you don't want me to tell them, I mean, if you don't want to tell them, I will, I can help you tell them. You know, we have that conversation so that we can create a a foundation of trust. And then the other thing I tell them all the time is if your mom and dad contact me or ask me questions or whatever, I'm always going to tell you everything I tell them or I talk about because I want you to know Mm -hmm. you can trust me. Yeah. And that's, I love that you brought that up because when I'm dealing with teens in particular, I always do that first session the first part of it with parent and child in room. And then we let the parent go. And then we dive into some of that other stuff. But part of that is educating the parent on that same type of thing. And I'll ask the parent, can you let this be a safe place for them to explore and to talk about the things they need to talk about and let things out to where they feel like they can have this relationship with me and to the parent, I will let you know if these major things come up and if there's other things that come up that really as a parent, I would want to know, I will work with your child on helping them get to the place that they can tell you that way. Parents feel safer too. parents feel a little more. Okay. Of like, okay, I can trust my child with this adult because at the end of the day, they also understand what what I'm worried about or what's coming up for me because parents have certainly all of their own concerns. Yeah. Uh, and I was going to say, Alana, I also invite parents to schedule time with me if they have things they want to talk about. And as I said, I really see them in their system. And so parents, in my opinion, they are part of the healing process. Absolutely. And so I, I have people, you know, I have parents contact me all the time. Can I schedule a session with you? I want to talk about what's going, you know, what's happening. And, you know, they might just say, okay, I have a, I have a laundry list of things I've been thinking about, blah, 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 blah. Or they may come and say, oh, I'm, my heart is breaking. I don't even know what to do about this. Mm-hmm. Can we process some of this together? Mm-hmm. Good, good. So I'm just trying to think of... The mom's listening to this and I'm thinking one thing I wouldn't maybe want you to do with an eight-year-old is ask them if they feel like killing themselves. Do you know what I mean? I would want, I would feel worried. I think, how can I go into the therapist and say, I want you to use your philosophy and your system because I really do like you. But I want you to also know that this is just building a relationship with you a lot more than it is me bringing my child to have therapy with you. It's me saying, I'm trying to normalize that having healthy brains and hearts emotionally is a good thing, just like having healthy teeth and, you know, getting our immunizations, whatever that is, we are trying to promote that. So if I have a younger child, would I be wise to just say, this is my motivation here? Like, I, I, so I just don't so you really... know, Karen, yeah. they, they teach us how to ask questions like that okay. very delicately. So we know how to do it right and well. We don't, okay. it's not, I mean, we have a, we're pretty well, I mean, we have to take training yeah. in this. Will you just say continually. it continually? 
say it delicately. So a mom out there will see, well, what would it sound like when you say that? Do you know what I mean? I might just some ask something like, so I, I probably wouldn't ask an eight-year-old mm -hmm. uh, unless I needed to, right? Because, so I, I'll give you an example. I had a 10-year-old in whose uncle had committed suicide, died by suicide, and it was really concerning for the family. And so the 10-year-old came and we, mom and dad sat down with me and the 10-year-old and we chatted it out for a minute. And I said, can I talk to the 10-year-old by themselves for just a second? Just so you know, I don't typically do anyone under the age of eight without, or yeah, I never do anyone under the age of eight without a parent. Mm -hmm. I rarely do the under the age of 10 without a parent. And most of my over the age of 10 are at least some kind of combination of parent and child. But I would say something like, hmm. Suicide is a big word. I understand that's happened. Something like that happened in your family. Do you understand what that means? Mm -hmm. You know, we might talk about that a little bit. Yeah. But I typically use play when I'm talking with children. So if they show tendencies towards something that makes me feel concerned, I I will bring it up. But not typically. Does that make sense? Kind of. It made sense until you said, I will bring it up, but not typically. Yeah, if, if something concerns me. Okay. I'll bring it up. Okay, got it. But it's not like a typical intake for a child. Yes. Okay. So if you're thinking of the other things that I've noticed, just getting to know them and asking them just generalized questions. I will always ask them the question, is there anything you want to tell me that you're afraid might not be good for someone else to hear? Yeah. Okay. You know, and like Alana said, this is your safe room. Yeah. So good. Oh, I wish we had like an hour more. This is really awesome. So I want to ask you gals, so good to hear your professional approach and your thoughts from a professional point of view. Would you mind just switching to a mother view, knowing what you know and the training that you have professionally and just this idea of having regular mental health checkups. What are some of your thoughts about that as a mom and how you maybe might have done it different or do it different or agree or disagree? I'd just love to hear just your thoughts about, as a mom, what you think about that. As a mother, my brain goes, oh my word, that's one more thing I have to do. <laughs> that's where it starts. I'm going to be totally honest because even like hitting that dentist twice a year is like, oh, right. Dentist appointments again. But I personally have experienced the benefits of having really, really good therapists in my life and how much that's not only benefited me, but benefited my kids. Because the more I have understood mental health and learned how to take care of it and prioritize it and and love myself in this really healthy, beautiful way that by default has rippled out to my children. And so I want my kids to have that same gift. And so a couple of my kids have met with therapists and it has been really beneficial. And the thing I think is so fun watching is my kids' friends will joke about how my kids are their therapists, just because the things that they learn, they kind of share with their friends of like, Oh, well, you know, in that 
relationship with that girl, maybe that's not actually healthy if you're whatever, fill in the blank. So I just think it's really cool how with mental health, the knowledge we have empowers us for us, but that just ripples to everyone around us. And so I get that it is sometimes like, oh no, it's one more thing I have to do or the fears of a mother, like I've experienced that of, can I find the right person? But when you do like the relief and comfort that that can bring that you have one more person on your team, because we as humans are wired for communities and wired for support and wired to have villages to raise our children. And the way that we are today, where we have become so much more isolated and so much more trying to figure it all out on our own. There are awesome people out there who can be on your team and you don't have to do it alone. And that to me brings a lot of comfort. Mm-hmm. So, so Alana and I actually share uh, it with some of our, our struggles in our home. We both have a special needs child and I don't know how things have been for her, but there always been therapists in my son's life, right? It's kind of like, you know, there's occupational therapists and there's speech therapists and there's, you know, so, you know, one more thing that kind of makes us feel like, oh, so I'm totally hearing Alana because, you know, I literally, there was a time in my life when I felt like that's all we did was just go to see the therapist. But because there has been ADHD and because I have other, you know, experiences, I was a foster mother, I do see the benefits of a relationship that could be really positive in their life. And I really like what Alana said about, you know, we are communal, right? We, we need, I think evolutionarily, we need community. We weren't meant to be, we're tribal, right? We're not meant to raise our children in a vacuum. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we, this may have to look a little different for us because we don't live in each other's backyards and you know i mean you know we don't have our little tribes that you know mm-hmm. protect us and and mm-hmm. you know stuff like that what i like to say is so so there are aunt figures there are uncle figures there are grandma figures and grandpa figures and mom and dad figures and the way i talk about them as lovers and warriors so moms they have to be lovers first, warriors second in our parents and our children's life because they, they show up that way. Dads tend to be warriors first and lovers second because they, they got to kind of show up that way, right? Mm-hmm. Grandmas tend to be w- lovers and lovers. They're ne- they never want to be warriors. <laughs> and aunt figures can be really interesting because they can be both kind of grandmas, you know, lover lovers, or they can be lover warriors like moms. Or they can even show up as warrior lovers. So that aunt figure gets to have lots of uh, different ways she shows up in child's life. And an uncle figure, this is all metaphorically, right? He can be warrior warrior, you know? He doesn't ever have to be a lover. <laughs> he can just warrior those kids up if he wants, right? You know, it's, but the grandpa, he tends to show up like a lover warrior, not always, not typically like a, a warrior lover but he can be a lover lover too, which is kind of fun because once, you know, a father goes from a lover warrior, then he might be a warrior warrior. He gets to be a lover lover someday too, right? So if we think of our therapists as those aunt and uncles, 
yeah. where, where they have lots of flexibility in how they get to show up, then we can say, oh, so when my son needs a little needling, <laughs> his therapist might do that for him, right? And, you know, at Life Changing Services, we talk about man trainers. And I'm just telling you what, those man trainers are warrior warriors, right? I've heard it described this way that, you know, the dad, he would, if he was teaching a child how to swim, a son, a son how to swim, he'd go down and he'd say, come on, let's go get into the water and blah, blah, blah. Let's see how you can get in there. Let's see what you can flap your and whatever. Mm -hmm. And, you know, these warrior, warrior uncles, they're going to like throw them into the river. <laughs> see if you can swim. <laughs> you know? And the grandma, the grandpas are going to be like, let me carry you. <laughs> Not, nothing's going to hurt you. Right. So, yeah. But, but the uncles have a little bit more flexibility in what they get them to try to, to get them to do. And parents don't necessarily have that. Right. So I love that analogy of we are tribal. Yeah, that is good. That is good. I like that. And it is fun to think of a therapist, just even imagining, instead of thinking of that as a therapist over there, thinking of it as, a, you know, an advocate we have in our back pocket that's kind of like an aunt or an uncle, yeah. right? That we want to yeah. be friends with and that we might bring him a little Halloween treat. You know, just whatever that looks like. like. We're just showing up to to just, you know, say, you're one of our friends. You're one of our success team over here. You know, you help us with our mind, with our hearts. So good. So you girls have any final things that you would just say to a mom who's considering the mental health of herself? Because if I had more time, that's where I would go, is what you brought up earlier. Like the Alana was, when you learned how to care for your own mental health and have a good relationship with you and allowed yourself probably to, to have your own human broken experiences but still be compassionate through all that, when you learned to do that, it really trickled down. If I had more time, that's where I would go with this. I would say... Let's talk a little bit about how, you know, just because of what came out in that four part, four, four of the six parts was these women sharing how much mental health support they could have used. And then many of us not even getting any of that support until we were like old, you know, older, like 40s. But yet all that time we're being mothers and I just think... That's really healing for you to hear that that's what happened for you. And I think we can all say that. We all have experience with what I've gotten better at and understood better. I just show up different when I'm mothering my children. So, yeah, what, what would you say? Some final thoughts about mental health for supporting your children with their own mental health and maybe addressing that personally, too and how that might help. Well, the simple fact that you're listening to this podcast right here, right now, tells me you're already, you're already on the path. You're already committed to some degree of learning and growing and what a gift to you and what a gift to your children. So take a minute to be proud of that. Take a minute and let that be one more little ounce of you knowing that you are enough as a mother, as a woman, and 
as you continue to learn and grow, you will just keep adding more and more things to your tool belt. So that's the thing I want to leave with is you listening right now. You're doing great. So I would say the thing I'd like to leave with is experiment. I come from family background of energy work and, you know, very alternative, extremely alternative. And when I was in my most crisis, first of all, I would say my relationship with God was the most important foundation I ever built on. But the thing is, I got very sick. I, I was very, very sick. Emotionally sick or? Just... Yeah, I, I would say I had a mental breakdown. Okay, got it. And so I had to find my way back and finding my way out of that was, it just brings tear to my eyes, tears in my eyes when I think about the, the difficulty, the hardship, the hardness of getting out of that pit. But I, I really reached out because I had a background of alternative stuff. I wasn't afraid. I had a sister who was a therapist mental health counselor, and I had alternative med medicine in my background. So I wasn't afraid to explore. So not only did I do therapy, but I also did all kinds of alternative things, medicine, allopathic medicine, but I also did naturopathic medicine. I did homeopathy. I did foot zone. I did oils. I didn't do oils as much as some people have done. I mostly did alternative energy therapies. I did hypnotherapy. I did EMDR. I wasn't afraid to just explore. I eventually found, I believe I found one technique with that, which the, was the very best for me. Mm -hmm. And that's how I would say I was healed and I have become fully healed. I'm not on medication anymore. Wow. So mm -hmm. experiment. What a, that's yeah. awesome. There's a lot of considering ourselves, isn't there? Yeah. You know, and being willing to open up our, you know, be willing to consider ourselves in a new way, our kids in a new way, what our, what we'd love our outcome to be in a new way. Because it's not that we just don't want anyone to misbehave ever, because that's not a very good plan or it's not a plan that's going to work out very good either, right? Yeah, it's not because it's not developmentally sound, actually. Mm -hmm. So we really want... Yeah, we really want to allow people their human experience, but support it. And we maybe have never got that chance ourselves, and it might be time to start experimenting and giving ourselves a little grace, as Alana put it. Like, we're enough. Maybe we, it's okay for us to, you know, open up and maybe get the courage, because it will take courage for us to decide we're going to build a new road around here, right? With the mental health of our family. So thank you so much, ladies. And thank you everyone for listening and participating in this mental health series. Really appreciate it. Hi. Thank you. Thank you for being with us today, Warrior Moms. I invite you to make a donation at the top of our website, mothersyouknow.org. Any amount you can afford today will help us keep Mothers Who Know services free for all moms. Thank you so much for your generosity. Moms, remember your divine identity and great worth. Continue in your courageous efforts to support God's great work. Notice the miracles you see every day, the evidence of the Savior's love and mercy. Find the message in your message. 
reach out and share the principles you learn in Mothers Who Know with other mothers. You are God's secret weapon for good in this world. Finally, a few pieces of information for you. I recommend a few other podcast channels to listen to. Like Dragons Do They Fight podcast, that includes interviews and stories with those that have struggled and overcome something in their life. And the Eternal Warriors podcast, hosted by two YSA age young men who share their story, teach valuable lessons, and interview special guests. You can follow us on our social media pages on Facebook under MothersYouKnow.lcs or search for Mothers You Know, and on Instagram, username at mothers underscore who know. Last, if you would like additional support and training, please go to mompowertraining.com to sign up for the next eight-week mom power training class for all moms. You can also go to the Mothers Who Know website at mothersyouknow.org or our parent company, Life Changing Services, at lifechangingservices.org to learn more about our excellent services to support you and your loved ones. Thank you so much for listening today. Please feel free to email me anytime with questions or to set up a complimentary 30-minute appointment to visit. Please email me at mothersyouknow at lifechangingservices.org. Looking forward to hearing from you amazing moms. See you next time.